Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 15, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 93, paragraph 2, Your Prospect May Belong. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Alice, The Twelve Traditions, Janice, Reading the Text, Esther C., Marcella M., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, July 14, 2014, is 6644. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alice to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Melanie. This is Alice, a compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Okay. Thank you. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning to everyone. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as we 
as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA ought to Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 93, paragraph 2, the prospect may. I will ask Esther C. to begin reading. Good morning. My name is Esther C. from Canada, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination, his religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call attention, calls atten, call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he wouldn't drink. 
Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. Um, This paragraph describes me very nicely. When I first came into the program of recovery, you know, I came in and I heard everyone talk about God. God? That's no problem. I do God very well. This should really be a no-brainer for me. When I when I heard that, you know, my first original OA, you know, meetings that I attended in OA, that it was a spiritual program, I figured that this this program was going to be easy for me, or that maybe I'd even have an edge over the other members. And when I got my first sponsor, I was kind of wondering, you know, secretly that if, if she knew enough to sponsor me or to be able to teach me anything. And today I meet many, many newcomers to the 12-step program who are just like me in, in that in those early days in that respect. They've got a higher power already, and many, like me, felt a bit superior about it. So if I had a higher power, then why was I still eating? Why was being a believer not enough for me? So this paragraph that I just read really gives the answer to that question because I was blocked from that higher power, and so my great belief didn't translate into the peaceful life that I was looking for. And since my life wasn't peaceful, it was everything but peaceful, food was really the only way I knew to turn down the pressure. In the AA 12 and 12, in Chapter 2, um, on Step 2, there's a beautiful paragraph that explains this riddle, this riddle about the one who they call full of faith but still reeking of alcohol. And I'll just read it here briefly. It says, To clergymen, doctors, friends, and families, the alcoholic who means well and tries hard is a heartbreaking riddle. But to most AAs, he is not. There are too many of us who have been just like him and have found the riddle's answer. And this answer has to do with the quality of faith rather than its quantity. This has been our blind spot. We had supposed we had humility when really we hadn't. We supposed we had been serious about religious practices when, upon honest appraisal, we found we had only been superficial. Or, going to the other extreme, we had wallowed in emotionalism and had mistaken it for true religious feeling. In both cases, we had been asking something for nothing. The fact was we really hadn't cleaned house so that the grace of God could enter us and expel the obsession. In no deep or meaningful sense had we ever taken stock of ourselves, made amends to those we had harmed, or freely given to any other human being without any demand for reward. We had not even prayed rightly. We had always said, grant me my wishes, instead of thy will be done. The love of God and man we understood not at all. Therefore, we remain self-deceived and so incapable of receiving enough grace to restore us to sanity. And I direct newcomers, again, who, who, who are believers and who wonder what the 12-step program has to offer them, I direct them to this paragraph for them to understand why you could be a believer but still eating and binging your brains off. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Who would like to comment on what was read this morning? Barbara. Hi, good morning, Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. One of the reasons that I can uh, carry this message and tell this story so well that faith alone might just be insufficient if if a person is still, in in our case, eating, binging, and that was the case with me, is because I literally lived through this. So as it says to tell my story, and that's what I can do, because I had years and years of religious studies and religious schools, and they were all very good, and they serve me well today, and religious practices. But 
I left the religious practices and I had to go to food because it still was such a god to me and I thought it was such a source. I couldn't function in life without it. So I couldn't begin to put faith into practice and to live the the 12-step way until I had recovery in a way, in the 12-step way of life. That had to be combined with my practices. And today, both flourish. And it doesn't have to be a sharing of my specific religion, my path. It can be different from the person I'm speaking to. But it is, as it says, it's, these principles are common to any denomination. So for me, it has to be the combination of the 12-step way, as it says, a spiritual path and a practical program of action. And that's what it provides. So there's no more of that terrible confusion of why if I'm praying and trusting God, why do I still have to go to food? Well, it's because I needed the recovery from the compulsive overeating combined with the spiritual way of life. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Sally. Hi, good morning, Sally. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vishnu, for you. It's Sally in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I also would like to share on this sentence to what you already knows right in the middle of the paragraph, but he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient to be vital, and the word vital in the big book dictionary uses the word, it means essential, to be vital or essential, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. And um, I also, there's a spot in the uh, 12 and 12 that also really speaks to me about this paragraph. It's the bottom of page 34. It says, self-will, which has always blocked the entry of God, or if you like, the higher, the higher power, into our lives. Faith, to be sure, is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. We can have faith, yet... Keep God out of our lives. And this was true for me. You know, faith was never a problem for me. I, had, I felt it took more faith not to believe in, in, the, in the idea that there is a higher power than believe, believing that there is a higher power. And this paragraph over and over is talking to us about the word faith. And um, it reminds me when it talks about constructive action and when it's talking about faith, it brings me back to... Um, page 68, the bottom of the page, where it tells us at the bottom of the page, 68, faith means courage. So when I see constructive action, right away I think courage. Do I really have the courage to believe as I walk through my day that my higher power is really going to, to speak to my mind? And that's really what this boils down to, is I've developed a relationship as the book, as this instruction, instruction manual has led me to develop a relationship with my higher power. As I walk through my day, I have thoughts. No, that's not in your food plan today. And it's not hard because the allergy of my body has been lifted, you know, for these last few years since I put the food down. And so as I'm going through my day, I think, 
oh, look, there's a, few, a fruit truck in the middle of Philly when I'm working. And then the thought comes to me, no, you already have something planned for your fruit today. And all of this is the actual the mechanisms of how my, my brain really does work, where I'm having this relationship with my higher power and not with the food, which is the huge difference in my faith today. That I'm in a relationship with my higher power, I'm walking through my day, I'm having these little tiny conversations, sidebars, with my higher power instead of having this non-stop mental twisting sidebar in my mind with the food. And so when it tells me constructive action, when it talks about this vital to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. What it says to me is faith means courage. That's what it says on the bottom of page 68. That's my constructive action, and it works in a couple of different things. It works in that sidebar where I'm having a relationship with my higher power and talking about everything in my day, including my food for the day of um, should I do this, should I do that. But it also comes in the form of me saying thank you for everything that's happening throughout my day. That's the courage. That's the constructive action that I say thank you for everything that's coming to me each day. And I have peace with everything that's coming to me each day. That's the difference in my faith today and my faith a little over two years ago when I was lost in a puddle of food. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Hi, Janice. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. Uh, my name is Janice. I'm an, I am a grateful, a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, um, the, the theology, you know, all those things that we did, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, we went and we asked God for what we wanted. At least I did, I should say. I did. And I knew all these concepts, and I knew you know, intellectually, what to do. I could tell you and repeat it and teach it, but I didn't practice it. (laughs) You know, did I practice honesty when I was in my disease? Absolutely not. Did I practice not being afraid and then going to God? No, I did not. Did I practice integrity? No. Resentment, fear, self-seeking, that was what I, that's how I lived. I, I, I knew about the concepts, I knew about principles of my church, but I didn't practice it. That's why it didn't work, <laughs> because I had those items, like when we do step four, um, that blocked me from a relationship with my higher power. I knew of a God, you know, I didn't understand him, but I knew of a God, but I really didn't know God, of my, my higher power, whom I choose to call God, because I didn't experience him. I, 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 I was living opposite of what I was, should be doing. And, you know, it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter, um, my, uh, you know, what denomination, because the principles here, which are the steps, are universal. I don't care what church you go to. But I didn't practice it. I didn't have enough self-sacrifice. I thought I was a giving person, but it was always my motive. And that's what it says, self-sacrifice and selfishness. I always had a motive to please myself. I was saying one thing and doing something else. 
and that's why it did not work for me. I used to pray, oh, please, you know, if you, if you, you know, I used to send him on errands. If you give me this, then I won't eat. And if you give me, you know, abstinence, then I'll do this, that, and the other thing. I was bargaining, you know. I mean, you don't bargain with my higher power. <laughs> anyway, and uh, I found that faith and knowledge is wonderful, but if I do not apply it, which means if I don't live it, it's not going to work. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Katie Rabia. from Boston. Hi, Rabia. And then I heard Katie, too. So, Rabia, you first, and then Katie next. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. This is Rabia. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And uh, this really speaks to me. Uh, faith alone is insufficient. And... My very first sponsor in all 12-step programs in 1978, that's three and a half decades ago, um, taught me to wake up a half an hour before I was waking up, um, before anybody else in the household when it was still quiet, and to read a meditation book and begin my day with um, some kind of conscious contact. So I've always done that over all these years. I, I kept that practice, and I've always done that. And so I've been a seeker, and, and that practice has taken me on so many different spiritual paths, thinking, seeking so many different spiritual practices. And um, However, no, no matter what practice I was seeking in the moment, um, I was still struggling on and off with food. And um, so it's only very recently uh, through these 12 steps in the big book that I understand the next sentence, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. I never knew what that meant because I never lived in 10, 11, and 12. Um, you know, I got through uh, half of the ninth step, and a lot of the promises came true for me. And I was and I was losing the weight again, and I didn't want to do this work every day. I didn't feel like I needed to, and so so I never. This is the first time uh, when I w- I wake up in the morning now, and and I ask God sincerely, how can I be of loving service today? And I really mean it because I love it, and it feels really good, and um, and so I'm, I'm having uh, this vital spiritual experience, and and it is self-sacrifice, but it doesn't feel like it, and it is unselfish, and it doesn't feel like it because it's so fulfilling, and and I love my life today. I love my life today more than I've ever loved my life ever, 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 and it's so God-centered, and it's so God-guided, and and it's filled with recovered people, and. Uh, and and it's filled with recovering people, you know, and and it's just so rich. And and I'm so glad I didn't quit till the miracle happened because to actually live in these in this step, the twelfth step, working with others, is the greatest joy of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rabia. Katie G. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning. This is Katie G. Recovered from Bolsa Lover Eater from Boston, Mass. And really grateful to be reading this, and I was thinking about my own um, prejudices in religion, you know, and um, 
I was thinking of just the many times that I pursued religion, right, and that I was eating. And the reason it was so confusing is because, you know, I would be in a Buddhist meditation retreat trying to find a God within, right, and yet I am obsessed, I am compulsed, I am activated in the phenomenon of craving. So I'm going down to the vending machine and worshiping at the God of flour, sugar, and quantities. I could not access physically or, you know, like intellectually, I could theorize about what are the what are the elements of this basic religion. But you know what? It's a long journey from the head to the heart. And here we speak the language of the heart. And coming into these rooms, I had to be like, I had to shed the mask. I had to shed the skin and say, you know what? Like I have been living a double, triple life. You know, and I have been worshiping at the altars of, of false gods, whether it be food or non-food or exercise or throwing up or laxatives or Ipitac or hospitals or drugs or alcohol. I looked for gods outside of myself. And what do the ABCs tell us? A, I am a compulsive overeater. I cannot manage my own life. And B, that God can and will if he is sought. Um, no, excuse me, no human power. And C, that God can and will if he is sought. This program teaches me... I have to seek God that to to get this life-giving program, you know, I, I need to seek, seek God because my other problem is my selfishness. Like how many times did I pray to the Mary Poppins God? Oh, God, please, if you could just let me, you know, weigh this and eat this and, and clean my house. I have been praying like that for my whole life. And again, no human power, right? I misunderstood my disease. I thought if I could just get to a certain weight or if I could hold you hostage long enough, you were going to fix me. And I'm still like saying, yeah, I got, I have religion. But for me, what had to happen is I, I had to be hugely mangled and, you know, get out of this intellect and start learning what the language of the heart is, which is, you know, continued um, abstinence for me today and continued meditation and practice of the principles of this program, which include timeliness, patience, tolerance, love. God, how can you use me today? How can I be of service? How can I think your thoughts after me? How can I stare up and away from my belly button and trust that no matter what is happening, fundamentally all is well. And, you know, a couple things, that food is not my problem and it's not, it's not a solution. Food was the only solution I ever applied to my problems. And my problem is I want what I want, when I want it, without regard to other people's wants, needs, or capabilities. And today I have these disciplines which break me down every day so I can access God. And what a privilege to be able to carry that life-giving, to share that life-giving message and to access God because that's how I do it, the death of self, so that I want to help others, so that even if things are uncomfortable, practice the willingness to bear discomfort today, God, because I know that whatever is happening, you know, food's not going to fix it. She's not going to fix it. He's not going to fix it. It's acceptance, surrender, trust, faith, courage, all of these amazing principles. So if you're new and you're wondering what the heck we're talking about, stick around. This is a program that works and will enable you to find a God that will change your life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you.
And we'll take one more share before we move on Larry? to the next paragraph. Who would like to take that spot? I heard Larry. Good morning. I'm sorry, Melanie, to step all over you there. <laughs> I wanted to, That's fine. I'm going to chime in. I have some background noise here. Larry recovered from Postal Reader from Chicago. I'm not in Chicago right now, so I'm going to get to where it's a little bit more quiet maybe. But um, anyway, where I just wanted to weigh in was, um, was that, uh, yeah, for me, this was um, a process of trust you know, of trust. We we all get to determine a higher power of our own understanding, right? You know, for me I, I didn't um I didn't come into program with a real good sense of what God was. I had an awareness of a higher power, certainly, from a rational standpoint. And I learned certain precepts and certain concepts about that higher power. I didn't have access on a daily basis to that higher power the way I do today. And so how did I get access to that higher power? Could I want it? Just want it enough. Would that give me access? Not for me, maybe someone else. I don't know what other people's experiences are. But wanting it was not enough. I wouldn't be sprinkled with, you know, this higher power pixie dust to get get that access. I got that access for me, for me, by doing these steps. I can't explain it, why it worked. I wanted to know why it worked as well. Why did I want to know? I wanted to know first because I was scared. I was fearful this wouldn't work for me. And if I knew enough about the, the you know, the levers and the springs and the machinations of how this works, then of course I could just do it precisely. And really what I was talking about was half measures. I was looking for the cliff notes to have access to the higher power. I wanted to Google it. I wanted to cheat. I manipulated everything. There was no cheating, if you will, for me, using that term loosely, cheat, you know. There was no manipulation here. The way I gained access to my higher power was quite simple for me. I worked these steps, and I wasn't ready for a long time. Let me tell you, I wasn't willing for a long time, and I didn't get access to my higher power sufficient to change my life. My life has changed today. Boy, I wish you would have known me. Some, you know, I wish you would have known me before, like, you know, the way I was. I really do because then you would really know the transformation. The only thing you hear today, anybody that just knows me today or hears me today, they just see whatever they see today. Oh, was I a troubled person. What a troubled person. I looked good on paper, but I was troubled. And, of course, I binged my brains out, but that was just symptomatic. I did a lot of other things that were symptomatic of my soul sickness. So the best thing I can say is the, re the way I got access to my, to my faith and this higher power of my own understanding was by doing the steps. And that had to be enough. That explanation had to be enough for me because if I were to try to wait until someone, someone can explain it to me, explain it to me perfectly, and then I'll do it. I just I wouldn't be sharing with you on the line today. I'd probably be dead. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And now we'll move on to the next paragraph. Marcella M., would you please read on page 91, paragraph 1? Marcella M.? Press star 1 to unmute. Can you hear me, Melanie? I can. Good morning. Uh, thank you. 
Um, outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your path, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that you attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he plays the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he's not, he is not under pressure, that he didn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended. If he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been staying quiet and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestion. Um, my name is Marcella. I'm a, comp- a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just, I just so delighted to be alive. And you're listening to somebody who has tried suicide more than once. I'm so grateful and so happy to be alive. I'm excited about living inside of my body. And I'm a size four, and I just love it. I just can't get over it. It's so comfortable. But that's not the blessing. The blessing is that I've been raised, I have been raised from the pathetic condition of being a hopeless, helpless, suicidal, compulsive overeater to the dignity of being able to help somebody. So it says outline the program of action. Um, The way that I see it, the way that I have done it, this is the second conversation that we have. In the first conversation, we talk about the problem. In our second conversation, we outline the program of action. So we tackle the solution right there and there. And hopefully, my life and my demeanor and my looks are attractive enough um, so that um, so that I can um, um, engage them into saying, yeah, I want that what she has. I, I want to be comfortable in my own body. I want to walk with dignity and hope and excitement of being alive. And um, then the next notion is that sometimes, sadly, I have seen some people that think that being a sponsor is some kind of hierarchy. There's no no hierarchy here. Our traditions are very, very clear about that. The only boss and the only teacher of the big book is God, is the higher power. Everybody else is just a soldier. We're we're, We're in need of this recovery. The reason I become a sponsor is because I need a newcomer as much as a newcomer needs me. So there's no hierarchy here. We only have one boss, one teacher, and that's the higher power. And then my experience is that um, tons of people will make a beginning, tons, endless, numerous people will make a beginning, and they will reach maybe to page 63. Very few go to page 68. A lot get stuck in page 76. And very, very few, the minority of all the people that I have attempted to sell will read with me page 164. But that's okay. 
I'm just a part of their bottom, and I'm just part of their journey. And um, this last line, it sounds cruel, doesn't it? The more hopeless he feels, the better. Doesn't it sound like torture? Doesn't it sound almost like static? Well, the more hopeless, if you're listening and you're absolutely hopeless, you're in a very, very good place. Join us and recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on what was read? Lauren Ashim. Hi, Lauren. And did I hear someone else? Before we... Kim. Hi, Kim. Lauren S. and then Kim D. Thank you. Okay. Hi. My name is Lauren S. as in Sam from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And this this is just such such a joy to help other sisters and brothers in this titanic lifeboat like was just shared. I do not own anybody. I am not responsible for anybody. I'm just simply trying to guide you through the work. You know, I I like the word step guide rather than sponsor because the word sponsor and responsibility both have that word sponsor. Like I, I'm responsible for you. Step guide, I'm just trying to lay these tools at your feet. And here, oh, this is just such... There couldn't be a more altruistic program that I know of. You know, make it plain he is under no obligation to you. Make it clear whenever I <clears throat> I am with sufferers and they go off into the food or they're not convinced in their heart that they want to stop forever. I just say that's okay. I'm here for you. Let's we can still hang out. We can. You're still my fellow. We're still fellows. But I hope that you, we we are on this. We are eventually. You're able to help. It says that you simply try to help other compulsive of readers when you escape your own difficulties. And. Finally, when it says, if your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you perhaps made a friend. That brought me back to the amends on page 78. And we can discuss all of this now because we already we passed 78. When it says, if our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. And I'm thinking that's a trend. We're, we are now recovered when we're sponsored. We are laced with the spiritual principles, with the power. You know, we're not powerless. We're not, we're not hopeless. We got the power of whatever you want to call it. For me, it's God. You know, it could be a goddess, whatever falls. Those principles, gosh, calm, truth, frank, and open, keeping our minds open. God, when you run the show, I have no idea what picture you're going to paint. I cannot be closed to any possibility. Okay, and then the last thing is we are here to disturb 
the comforted, and when they're disturbed, we're here to comfort the disturbed with our solution. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Kim G. Good morning, Melody. Good Melody. Melody. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. I have to say it's important to me to realize that. You know, I heard someone say once, the steps 1 through 11 just prepare us for the real work, which is step 12. You know, my life depends on my constant thought of others. You know, I look up, what is the word vital? Because it's saying here, it's a vital part of my recovery. And in the dictionary, vital means life-sustaining, necessary, essential. I have to carry this message. I am on a life and death errand, not only for the person I'm carrying the message to, but the person, but for myself as well. You know, a common question I get is, you know, Kim, how do you work steps one, two, and three every day? But I have to be honest with you, I don't. You know, I used to get up in the morning and say, oh, God, I'm powerless. Oh, God, I need a power. Oh, God, I'm turning my life over to you. But I don't do that today. What I do today is I teach someone about their powerlessness, and that reinforces the powerlessness in me. I teach someone that they need a higher power, and that reinforces the need in me. I teach someone about the importance of making a decision to go on with the rest of the work, and that reinforces that decision in me. Carrying this message is vital. You know, I went to a workshop this weekend on five through nine, but I'll tell you, they just slammed home, working with others, working with others, and they asked this powerful question. If you're working with others, when's the last time you took a fifth step? How many fifth steps have you taken the last six months? I think it's a good question to ask us. If we say that we're living in steps 10, 11, and 12, what does that mean? Are we working with others? Because we have to be very clear. The reality, unfortunately, in our fellowship is we have about a 5% recovery rate. So that means there's very few recovered people out there to help others. So are we doing that? Are we getting people through the work and getting them out there so they can help others? Or are we spending time with just recovered people because we don't have time to sit down after a meeting and take someone through the doctor's opinion? We don't have time to do things. Let me tell you, step 12 is not convenient. It is not convenient. But I understand it is vital. It is necessary. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is pick up on that disturbed, you know, disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. You know, I love you enough today to tell you the truth about compulsive overeating. I love you enough today to say that this is a life and death errand that we're on. You know, because I, and the reason I can do that, the reason that we recovered people can do that is because we're not leaving you there disturbed. We're letting you know we were there and we are no longer there. We can offer a solution. But it says here, the more hopeless he feels, the better he will be more likely to follow your suggestion. It is only through hopelessness that we seek the hope of the 12 steps. So the most loving thing that I can do today is get out of my ego and get out of, oh, I don't want you not to like me and you might be upset with what I have to say, but to give you the truth, the truth of this twofold illness, the truth that, that we as compulsive overeaters will die of this disease unless we find the spiritual awakening. And it's with that task that I can then bring you the hope to know that even though I was in OA for 20 years and for 17 years, it was abstinence and going back in the food, abstinence and going back in the food. 
that three and a half years ago when someone who's recovered told me the truth about my disease and I fully conceded what I'm a compulsive overeater. I walked through these steps in less than two months and for three and a half years I have been recovered and the miracle is that I do not want my binge foods today and that is because I continue to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read this morning on this paragraph? This is Sharon H. in Colorado. Hi, good morning, Sharon. Good morning, morning. Melanie. And welcome to everybody out on the line. Uh, This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And uh, I wanted to go back to that last paragraph just to comment on one item there, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knew so well. And I have out here in the margin, yes, that was my dilemma. I'd been in the OA rooms for many, many, many years, but I was not able to stay abstinent. I could get abstinent, but I could not stay abstinent. And it wasn't until I started listening to this meeting, and um, by God's grace, they were in the doctor's opinion, going line by line, paragraph by paragraph, that I suddenly realized that I had not conceded to the core of my being that I truly was a compulsive overeater. And so as a result of that, I was not, um, I had not surrendered this addiction to God. I was trying to uh, diet with group support, but I didn't. I didn't understand that and I didn't know that. And so that's what's made such a difference in my life today. And then going through the process of these steps, it gives me the privilege um, of working with others. And um, But first I had to go through this process myself, just like it's laid out in the big book, which is exactly what I did um, with the help of a step guide myself. And so it's made such a difference of how I work with others um, uh, without trying to, um, uh, you know, force them or coerce them or, or whatever, but to just know that that was what happened to me and that's what I can share with others um, in, and what a difference it's made. So then the, then the faith with action begins to, I begin to see the results. I always wanted to see the results first and then take action. So I just had it all backwards. And so I'm just so grateful today that this chapter that I went through with my sponsor, uh, line by line, paragraph by paragraph, has helped me so much in working with others. And to be able to just uh, use this book as the guideline, and I am too, just a step guide using this book as a a way to... um, go through these steps, and then experience the freedom that truly is available to us to be set free from this bondage of food addiction. So I'm just very grateful to be here today, and I'm so grateful you are all here today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you. Who else would like to hear on what was read? Hi, Judy. Good morning. Judy. Hi, Judy F., and then I heard Leah, too. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning. Visionaries. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. This paragraph has really helped me um, with sponsoring because I, I, at the end of the month, it'll be 23 years um, recovered in, in a way. And I, I had 
I've brought this message to a lot of people, and, but not everyone, like Kim said. It's a small uh, percentage that recovered, but it, it's kept me abstinent, grateful, recovered for 22 years. So that, thank you, God. And it's because God has been in this, and it's been God's time. And in my experience, that gift of desperation, that desperation, that hopelessness, is a prerequisite for recovery. I've just seen it in myself and in those that I've brought through and those that didn't stay. And it's, it's that hopelessness is such, it's, it's the gateway that we have to pass through, that misery. I had to do everything I had to do with the food, everything. I had tried all these different ways to try to control it. I, I needed everything where this was the last stop on the bus route. And I'm just grateful for that willingness God gave me through that desperation. And I just pray that, you know, I pray for my sponsors, but it's not me doing it. I'm just carrying the message, and it's between them, their disease, and God if they want to pick up these tools. So this has kept me <laughs> kept me going and um, sponsoring and just leaving the result up to God. And um, and some people have come back and said, you know, Judy, you, you did plant the seed. I just wasn't ready. And that's helped, too. So I'm here to plant the seed. I'm here to speak the truth and to just let God work through the steps to help others. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks again. Thank you, Judy. Leah, good morning. Thank you so much, Melanie. It says outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. Well, I mean, this is the responsibility we have. I mean, God uses recovered people. (laughs) Um, You know, the only way that the message of recovery is going to be able to be carried is through the reading of the big book, uh, through meetings, and through sponsorship, through one-on-one, like it's describing here. There's no other way that uh, the still-suffering compulsive overeater is going to be able to receive our message. And that is a group, whether it's a Vision for You or some other local face-to-face meeting, and our individual primary purpose. You know that, that is what our responsibility is. Now that we've recovered, now what are we supposed to do? Well, we have this obligation and this responsibility because we have an ability. Of, of Each one of us who's recovered has an ability um, and an experience to bring recovery to a newcomer. That, that's a gift from God. You know, the big book says we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. That's not my language. That is the text. So passing on this gift to others is our one aim. And, of course, you know, uh, we, we have the opportunity to pay it forward. It naturally spills out. You know, we used to be uh, living by self-centered existence. Now, as a result of being transformed, there, we've kind of been turned inside out. We have a natural desire to give. You know, and thank you, God, who better to give than us, <laughs> because we are the experts at this. We were compulsive overeaters, real compulsive overeaters, and now we are recovered. You know, we understand this isn't about stopping. I've stopped thousands of times. How do I not start again? 
You know, <laughs> my life was controlled by these desires. I was bowing to the demands of this disease. My mind continued to take me back to that which was killing me. So we make it clear that he's not under any pressure. No, my communication is not to pressure anybody. It isn't a question of, of uh, a compulsive overeater who's still suffering giving me anything. My personal stability comes out of trying to give, out of my heart and out of service, not out of demanding that I receive anything. You know, I am, I am simply an agent. I am necessary, but certainly not sufficient in any change that a person makes. However, God has enabled us to be catalysts in that process. You know, so what do we say as recovered compulsive overeaters? We can say, you know what, if you're a compulsive overeater and you're looking for a way out, we know exactly where you're coming from because that's where we came from too. And we were given this book of Alcoholics Anonymous, lovingly referred to as a big book, and we practiced with the help of, of someone assisting us the first 11 steps, and we've had a spiritual awakening as a result of that process, and we don't live that way anymore. We no longer live in the madness and the mayhem. And if you don't want to be that way anymore, and if you don't want to live that way anymore, then you can do what we did. You know, and, and when a sponsor thinks that he is the light, you know, instead of the lantern shining the light on this path, then the ego has resurrected itself. And rather than passing on a message, we pass on disease. But there is a responsibility here. We do have a responsibility and an obligation. And thank God, you know, we take this duty uh, gratefully and, and, and with, with pleasure. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Time will allow for one more share. Who would like to take that spot? Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Thank you. Um, good morning. Thank you, as always, for the meeting. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, that sentence, actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Um, I believe, I, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado, um, but when I say I'm recovered, I don't understand that to be a, a set, a fixed condition. Um, and I, 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 I take literally that the new person is helping me more than I'm helping her. Um, and that I need this connection in order to stay abstinent. And, and the way I always put it to someone new, I just say, well, you know, somebody did this for me. And, and that's really, that remains the foundation of my abstinence, is that somebody reached out to me. Um, and my reaching out is also is is responsibility, but it's also what I have to do to keep growing spiritually and to stay abstinent. Thanks. Thank you, Hannah. And with that, we are at the end of our meeting. Thank you, everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer.
Will Marie P. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, Marie. This is Marie, a compulsive overeater, recovered. Um, Hello, Melanie. Thank you for giving service there. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the happy road, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 